round about this time, Bill Hughes pops in to uh, disappear down a great big hole. That is memory lane. Uh, Bill, welcome to the programme. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening. Hello, George, how are you doing? And you've picked a year to look at the essential songs. It's extraordinary. The number of people who are interested in the essential songs of different years, I, it surprises me. But I thought it was the only person who sort of, you know, thought about the past. But an awful lot of people do. It's quite interesting. I get stopped in the street and asked about it, George. Yeah. Sometimes I'm hoping they're stopping me for another reason. But they're not. <laughs> they want to talk about this. Right. So so what year? Well, the year is 1986. Okay. The year is 1986 and it's a classic year. Great, great songs, great, great artists all out and about. And we start off with an, one of my favourite artists of all time, uh, Paul Simon. I'm in my near dotage. I'm heading towards my bus pass. And here's, I don't know what the music is yet, but here's a guy who, from the day I first heard him with, with uh, Garfunkel, I've loved his music. And, and he's the I've same age as you. Is he? He's the same age oh, as you. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, he was born in 1941. Oh, right. On October 13th. Oh, so he he's is. younger than me. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> well. It's, at that stage, it's, you know, tisk at a task, it's tomato, right. tomato. Yeah, the, he, he uh, had done so many wonderful things in his career, but in 1986, he released an album that just blew my mind, and it was called Graceland. Oh, yes. And oh, yes. the song from Graceland, the first single from Graceland was this song, You Can Call Me Al. Oh, I love this. Do you? I, oh, yeah. <laughs> but that album he did when he went down to South Africa, That's it. for instance. That's you know? it. Yeah. yeah. And he recorded some of it in South Africa. He yeah. got into terrible deep water. Uh, people, it was still while apartheid was there, so people yeah. felt that he was breaking it. But in fact, what he was doing was celebrating the indigenous culture by yeah, using people right. like Lady Smith, Black Mombasa. He recorded a lot of the album down there, but then he came back and recorded the rest of the album uh, in the Hit Factory in New York, as uh, like as well as trying out other uh, recording studios around the world. And then they're making this song and working with the finest musicians and there are so many beautiful songs on the album, but I just thought the lead single, which was such a huge Absolutely. hit, was, was one to lead off on. And, you know, one of the keys to the success of the single, funnily enough, was the video. Because in 1986, that was a time when video meant something. And the video for this was just a complete comedy uh, tour de force where somebody decided... They, they made a, a classic video of Paul Simon performing the song and the test audiences, yeah, they weren't that totally turned on but the hottest comedian at the time was a guy called Chevy Chase and so they got Chevy Chase to lip sync the song as if he was Paul Simon in a really droll kind of way and whatever way the drama of the video worked it just caught the public imagination people absolutely loved it they got the great humour of it and uh, it was it was Paul Simon you know how the, the the inspiration for the song you can call me al and he he refers to you can call me betty and betty if you call me you can call me al it was because he and his wife had gone to a particular cocktail party and a very famous person at the time had said yes al to Paul Simon and called his wife betty 
and had totally took them for a different couple altogether. So Paul Simon immediately went home and wrote the song, If You Call Me Betty, You Can Call Me Al. And that's where it came from. Oh, I see. So, And I think this is marvellous, and particularly the beat here. Um, it, the, when when you're not um, a voice aficionado, as I'm not, because I'm tone deaf, rhythm is everything for me in music. And I think the rhythm on... Uh, Call Me Al with Paul Simon is just stunning. A man walks down the street, he says, Why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I need a photo opportunity. I want a shot of redemption. Don't want to end up a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard. Bone digger, bone digger, dogs in the moonlight. Far away in my well-lit door. Just a beer belly, beer belly. Get these mutts away from me, you know. I don't find this stuff amusing anymore. If you be my bodyguard, I can be your lawn. Betty, when you call me, you can call me out. A man walks down the street, he says, Why am I short of attention? Got a short little span of attention, and all my nights are so long. Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? Who'll be my role model now that my role model is gone? Gone. He ducked back down the alley with some roly poly little bat faced girl. All along. There you have the wonderful Paul Simon, Call Me Al, 1986, one of uh, Bill Hughes' essential songs of that year. Uh, the, the African influence is clear oh, in, it's in the music. Yeah, yeah it's massive. And, and that opening rhythm really grabs it, you know, fantastic. If you can keep up this standard, 1986 might well be a very good year for me. Uh... <laughs> I'm always scared of uh, uh, having any kind of false hope. Well, the next uh, song would be from what I would call a hair act. You know, uh, one of those bands. Hair act? Yeah, a huge hair. and You know, the shaky heads with loads of hair going on. Oh, really? Rocking, yeah. Bon Jovi. Yeah. Okay, a guy called John Bon Jovi and his band uh, called Bon Jovi from an album called Slippery When Wet, which became one of the biggest selling albums in the world. The song is called Living on a Prayer. I like it. Oh, do you? Yeah. But it's very sporty. 
Yeah, I kind of like. I I didn't uh, didn't pay much attention to Bon Jovi, but I I would have heard this driving along in the car, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. I met him once. He's a he, he's a really charming, urbane character. Very really? nice. Yeah. And yeah, but I like this. Yeah, the song is about a fictional working class couple, uh, Tommy and Gina who struggle to make ends meet. And Tommy is used to work on the docks because the union's been on strike. He's down on his luck. And Gina works at a diner working for her man. So there's a whole sense of this is blue collar, New Jersey, through and through. This is appealing to the American working man. But it struck a chord around the world and appealed to working people everywhere and appealed to rock fans. They're a great band. Uh, They got together uh, back in uh, 1983. Uh, Bon Jovi was the lead singer. Uh, his, he's, he's John Francis Bongiovi Jr. is actually where he comes from. It's his family heritage. Uh, uh, pianist and keyboard player David Bryan, drummer Tico Torres, and then they had, of course, Richie Sambora, uh, the longtime guitarist who left in 2013. Because John Bon Jovi and Bon Jovi, for whatever reason, have struck a chord in Ireland and in the UK. And so they come and tour here all the time. Uh, they, they yeah, I saw something about them recently and it yeah. really surprised me. They yeah. fill outdoor arenas here with songs that are, you know, from that period. But like their, like their biggest song in the last 15 years was from 2000. It's called It's My Life. But, you know, when you look at, at the work that they've done and how they represent where they come from, how they represent the people of New Jersey. And they made New Jersey cool again because New Jersey is always laughed at by New Yorkers who regard it as bridge and tunnel. You know, people who come into the city using the bridge or using the tunnel. And it's, it's normally a derogative term, like saying they're coming in from... And there's some pretty rubbish places in New Jersey, oh, one to has fair, to say. To be fair, yes. There you are. fly into New York and hopefully you don't ever leave the airport because New York is just awful. New York is a hideous place, but there are some beautiful little Trenton, towns. Trenton, New Jersey. Yeah, Trenton. Uh, I once went, uh, I once went to, what do you call it, uh, line dancing in Trenton, New Jersey, know. yes. And then, but there's a beautiful little town called Montclair. And right. Montclair has a, a restaurant strip that's second to none. Really? Beautiful little red brick town. Okay. Atlantic now, City? Atlantic City, yeah, that's really run down now. It needs yeah. a lot of help. It, ne- it needs help. But you've got the Jersey shoreline and you've got awful TV programs coming out of it like Jersey Shore, just full of trailer trash, just uh, yeah. with fake towns and All right, French so manicures. I think we should listen to Bon Jovi. Living on a Prayer, it's one of those ones where... For the world championship of air guitar, this would probably be the one that you'd do in your living room. But you'd have to be careful because you'd probably fall over and break furniture. But for those of you listeners who are about to play air guitar or are in your car on your way home from work and you're all shaking your heads, it's living on a prayer. All right, Bon Jovi, living on a prayer. Bill Hughes' second choice from 1986.
it's um, it's really special this year of 1986. We had Paul Simon. There you had Bon Jovi living on a prayer. Bill's got two more choices from 1986. I'm all fired up. We're going to take a break so I can calm down. Great start to 86, Paul Simon and Bon Jovi. Can you keep up the standard? I hope so. And I think particularly this song, because this song has so many sports connotations, not least because the video that they did of it was all the best American sports cut together. Really fantastic baseball, football shots. Really, really good. The song is The Walk of Life by Dire Straits. Well, first of all, I love it. It was the video introduced me to the music because they also had a video called Best Hits of the NFL. Yeah. And it was all big tackles from the NFL. And that's where I heard this. And I just thought, I didn't know who the hell uh, Dar Straits were. Yeah. And and this great lead guy, I'd never heard of him either. Mark and, Knuffler. Yeah, and yeah. then I went off, of course, and got it mm-hmm. and started listening to all Dire Straits stuff and his stuff. But this still has got to be their biggest, is it? This was their, it was such a huge hit for them. Now, they had this, it came from their album, their best-selling album, Brothers in Arms. And Brothers in Arms, the title track from Brothers in Arms, although it's quite a downer, it is a beautiful, beautiful song, but it showed the power of the uh, musical composition that uh, that Dire Straits Mark Knopfler was was able to achieve. Uh, he created the band in 1977 with his younger brother David Knopfler on rhythm guitar and backing vocals, John Ilsley on bass guitar and backing vocals, and Pick Withers on drums and percussion. So, but Mark Knopfler was the driving force of it, and there's no question about that. And uh, they did a live version of this song, which was released on their album On the Night. Now. Their biggest selling album, Brothers in Arms, sold 30 million copies. So it's one of the biggest selling albums of all time. And funnily enough, it was the first album ever to sell a million copies on CD because it was just when people were moving over from uh, vinyl and cassette and four-track cartridge or eight-track cartridge to CD. So this was the first one to sell a million. There are now people listening, of course, who have no idea what you're talking about when you say <laughs> eight-track cartridge. Eight-track cartridge was something that people had in their cars. Yeah. And, and truckers had it. it but the eight-track cartridges kept breaking. Oh, yeah. And they were bloody nuisance. I had one in the car and every time I bought an eight-track cartridge of music, it would then break. And you could get them fixed. You could get them spliced. <laughs> and then they'd break again. It drove me mad. Well, the other great hits that Dire Straits had would be Money for Nothing, The Sultans of Swing. Oh, yeah. So Far Away. Uh, Brothers in Arms, Private Investigations and Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet was a great song, absolutely great song. But they split up in 1988, reformed in 1991, disbanded for good in 1995 and Mark Knopfler launched his career full-time solo artist. Now, he's quite extraordinary because he has written film scores. So he wrote the score for Local Hero, for Cal for The Princess Bride and for Wag the Dog. And then he produced albums. He produced with Tina Turner, Bob Dylan, Randy Newman. Yeah, 
Like, he's a very accomplished and adored musician. And he has a real fondness for Ireland. He's recorded a lot here. Cal was interesting because it was made in Ireland. Yeah. David Putnam. And it was one of the last catering jobs I had as a film caterer. Ah, so... There's a it was connection. about a brother, a Christian brother, sort of, mm. and a kid. No, that's Lamb. Oh, that's that's Lamb. No, Cal was uh, John Lynch, the actor, and Helen Mirren. It oh, was yeah. an IRA thing. That's right. No, you're yeah. thinking of Lamb with I'm a little view But, but Cal was the one I yeah, did. Yeah. Because I remember very well David Putnam's speech at the rap party. That's how I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, Walk of Life, great, great song, strong music video. Uh, tremendous uh, playing by Mark Knopfler on lead vocals, lead guitar, and uh, there's there's so much fun in it. But they use uh, an old organ to great effect on the song, and so it was out of uh, kilter with what was in the pop charts at the time. So when Brothers in Arms came, it was like a breath of fresh air. Now it very quickly got relegated in a lot of people's minds into that awful territory called middle of the road. But I happen to really like it. I think it's a standard album. I think it stands up. So uh, so there you go, Walk of Life. All right. Uh, it is Dire Straits and Walk of Life and some of the great hits of the NFL.
ride the walk of life with Dire Straits. Mark Knopfler, absolutely loved it. You got three out of three, Bill. Are you going for a Royal Straight flush <laughs> well, on 1986? Right. Very unusual for you to get four that I like. Well, after the humiliation you put me through last week in the middle of the men's department in Arnott's and you gave out to me for not having a woman in the break... Of course I have to finish with a woman and my favourite song of 1986. My favourite song of 1986 is by Mr. Anna Ross and it's Chain Reaction. Oh, you got it. Royal Straight Flush. Oh, good. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Also, we're thinking of following uh, the political wave and we're going to have a gender quota and <laughs> one third of your four songs, which is an interesting collection, one third of four uh, will have to be female in future. This is brilliant by a great singer. Not a terribly nice person, I always thought, but a great singer. Chain Reaction, written by the Bee Gees. Uh, initially, once they wrote it, they thought it's perfect for Diana Ross. They were afraid to offer it to her in case she thought it was too Motown-like. But they plucked up the courage, offered it to her, and lo and behold, it became an international sensation. The video was fantastic. Yet again, uh, 80s, 86, key time for videos. So I was lucky enough to see her. Uh, there was a club in America called The Saint. It was in New York. And on Saturday nights, if you were there, at one o'clock in the morning, a little thing would open in the side wall and an extended metal arm would come out of the wall, like a walkway, and there would be a star of the day on the metal thing. And I I saw Grace Jones do Pull Up to the Bumper. I saw Betty Buckley do uh, Midnight from Memories. I saw Laura Branigan do Self Control. But this one particular Saturday night I was there and who should be up on the little plinth coming out of the wall? Diana Ross. And it was the weekend they launched Chain Reaction. And that was my first time to hear it was her singing it live. And the place went completely bananas. And then the wall got, the the thing got retracted back into the wall and they turned the ceiling into one of those sky domes and you saw all the stars. So it was a fantastic place called The Saint. But uh, the Diana Ross, a very troubled character, quite an unhappy life, an unhappy struggle with the Supremes. The Supremes are still the biggest selling female group of all time. And she had so many hits with them. Baby Love, Where Did Our Love Go? Come See About Me, Stop in the Name of Love, You Can't Hurry Love, You Keep Me Hanging On, all these fantastic songs. And they came out of Detroit. She was already on the professional singing circuit when she was only 14. And uh, so she she became a diva quite early and split from the Supremes. And she, she first off became Diana Ross in the Supremes. And then she was Diana Ross solo. And then she had all these massive number ones all over the world. And right now she's doing Vegas, where a lot of big artists finish their career. She's doing extended uh, seasons in Vegas. She's just announced one. She's playing from November 4th to November 21st at the Venetian. She's doing her new show, The Essential Diana Ross, Some Memories Never Fade. Doing this Vegas show probably gives her back a focus. But let's face it, she's got a back catalogue that people would kill for. Yeah, I'd nearly fly to Vegas to if I her. could yeah. get a seat. You'd get me a seat. You'd great pull in <laughs> Vegas. Uh, well, the Bill Hughes, uh, I have to tell you, a household name in Vegas. Uh, he has pulled off the near impossible by picking four songs from a year that all of which I absolutely like and would this very minute sit in my car and play the 
them one after the other. Paul Simon, you can call me Al, Dire Straits, Walk of Life, Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer. And now, the wonderful Diana Ross, the first of our gender quotas on great hits uh, of the years, is Chain Reaction. <laughs> 